Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Now, as you know, I am sitting right smack dab in the middle of Southern California. I know you're well aware of that. Right in the heart of Car Flag Nation. And I'm also well aware of the fact that on the way in this morning, I did not see a single car flag. Not one. Not one flying anywhere in the middle of Car Flag Nation. But not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not one. None. Believe it or not, I am going to resist the urge to do exactly what everybody else is going to do and make today all about Car Flag Nation, all about the LA Lakers, all about Legeriatric and his alleged, supposed retirement considerations. You see, around here, losers don't lead. Don't misconstrue that. I'm not calling him or them losers. I'm saying they lost. There is a distinction to be made. I am not leading the show with the team or the guy who just got swept out of the Western Conference Finals. Why would I do that? Even if said losers, and they're not losers per se, they're losers of the series. And again, they were swept. Even if they're desperate for attention, I'm not doing that. Not here. Around here, if you get your ass swept out of the playoffs, it's not about you. If you can't put together four solid quarters in any single game in an entire conference final series, then it's about the other guy. It's about the other team. I'll get to you, but I'm not going to start with you. Today is not about the Lakers. Today is about the team that kicked the Brick Show's ass four times in a row, a.k.a. the first-time Western Conference champion, Denver Nuggets. Mile high country. It finally happened. Mile high country. If you want to go full double rainbow guy this morning, you go right ahead. In fact, I'd be shocked if you didn't. In fact, if you don't, why aren't you? If not now, then when? It's not like you haven't had to wait nearly 50 years for this. Yes, you have. The rest of you have to understand, the Nuggets have been waiting 46 long seasons for this moment. The franchise has played more than 4,000 games in their history, but not even one of those games have been in the NBA Finals. But the next one will be, in what feels like a month from now, but it will be. So no, I'm not going to lead with the Lakers nonsense. And yeah, they put together a nice year given how they started. I'll give them that. And we'll get into all that. But I'm not going to lead with that, nor am I going to lead with this nonsense about, oh, oh, wow, LeBron might retire. You hear what he said? And maybe he will, maybe he won't. I really don't give a damn. Honestly, I don't. I don't. Give the team the shine that deserves it. The team that went right through L.A. The team that swept L.A. The team that's in the NBA Finals. Nuggets fan, this is the moment you have been waiting for your entire lives. Some of you, longer than that, 
46 years. They've never been to the NBA Finals until now, and here's how it sounded on Nuggets Radio. People, pay attention. Austin Reeves look in. Four seconds left. Two buckets. Two points ties it up. LeBron in the paint. Layup no good. Got his own board. There's the horn! And the Denver Nuggets, for the first time in franchise history, will go to the NBA Finals! Oh my God, they swept the Lakers. Wow! Oh my God. They swept the Lakers. Indeed. Oh, my God. They swept the Lakers. And you know what? It really wasn't that hard either. I mean, it was competitive, but it really wasn't that hard. In fact, they made it look pretty easy. I mean, yes, Denver did dig dig themselves a 15-point hole last night, but no problem digging out of it. They just casually erased the whole thing with that massive 36-16 third quarter. And then when it came to crunch time, And I've got a lot more thoughts on this big dude. But when it came to crunch time, they turned to their superstar, their two-time MVP. A dude who was on one of the scariest and most incredible playoff runs in the history of the association. To say this dude's on one would be a gross understatement. This dude is flat out the best player on the planet right now. Nikola Jokic once again put up a triple-double last night. 30 points. 14 boards, 13 dimes. This dude is a walking triple-double. He averaged a triple-double for the series. He passed Wilt the Stilt for most triple-doubles in an individual playoffs. And the thing about Jokic is it's not about stat padding. There are so many bad takes about this guy. So much lava, so much bullcrap. So many people trying to get other people to look at them in slandering this guy. I mean, it's not about that. How do you miss it? How do you miss what this guy's about? It's not about stat padding. It's about soul snatching. Case in point, the last two buckets of that series were also the last two Denver buckets of that series. You see me working. Clutch. I'll get to that too. That whole rap that, yeah, well, he's not clutch. The hell he's not. First, this miraculous step back three that shut up Every single Laker honk in the crib last night. Probably even shut up VD in the fee. Adam Davis looking to help. Shot clock at four. Jokic has to put it up. Falling away, puts it up. Bang! Nikola Jokic knocks it down. His foot was on the line. A two-pointer. What a shot. No, it wasn't. No, it was not. This whole thing about Jokic has to put it up. He doesn't have to do anything. He does whatever the hell he wants. Jokic gets to put it up from wherever. I mean, did you hear the sound that place made after that shot? It was more like a collective groan. Actually, that wouldn't even do it justice. It was more than a collective groan. It sounded like Jokic personally went into the stands and then proceeded to deliver a kick in the stick to every single person in attendance. That's what it sounded like. And initially, it did look like he was on the line, but of course, he wasn't. Of course, it was a tray. And of course, when Denver needed another tough bucket, two minutes later, Jokic just went full bully ball in the post and got his game-winning bucket. Game over. Series over. Thanks for coming. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Denver Nuggets. You did it!
You did it. And welcome to the NBA Finals to the clearly best player in the world. Listen, I did push hard and I did stump for Joel Embiid to win the MVP. I stand by that. I'm not going to take that back. It's a regular season award and there's a good reason why he won that easily. He, he was the right choice. He was the right choice at that time, but that's not going to stop me from saying right now that Jokic is the best player on the planet. I'll say that over and over again because he is. And it's not even close, honestly, at this point. Denver fan, you can stop worrying about the stupid regular season award because even Jokic himself has already moved way beyond that. I don't know. I don't think about MVP, MVPs anymore. And, and I think it's... Uh... People are just um, mean and saying that Embiid shouldn't want it. I think he should. He should want it. I think he was a uh, he was playing. Uh, uh, if you watch it, extremely, extremely tough basketball through whole season. And uh, uh, I don't want to say playoff doesn't mean in that, but he he was uh, he was really amazing in 82 games or how many games he played. What a class act. This dude's the best. I absolutely love this guy. He's right. For those of you dogging Joel Embiid, you're just, quote, mean. You're being mean. Stop being so mean. It's just mean to pile on that guy at this point. And again, the regular season MVP is not what Jokic is hunting at this point. He's already got a couple of those. This dude's not about awards, I don't think, in general. But the hardware that he really wants, the hardware that he really is hunting right now is the Larry O, you know, the one that matters, the one that matters most. That's what matters now, the Larry O in finishing the job. And now they're four wins away. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Jokic does not care about the regular season MVP. He certainly does not care about the MVP of the Western Conference Finals. He made that very clear after he ripped the MVP of the Western Conference Finals. He also made it clear that that doesn't matter either. I think this trophy speaks for itself. What does it symbolize for you? For me, to be honest, nothing. Uh, this, this trophy is supposed to go to my teammates and coaches. Uh, they put me in a situation. That, uh, I'm just, I'm just uh, first among the equals, and uh, I'm just happy that we are collectively getting wins and getting to make something. And this dude's too good to be true, honestly, on and off the floor. First part of the answer is hilarious. Pretty incredible, actually. But the rest of the answer is so much better. I can promise you this much. You're never going to hear the words, quote, they put me in this situation. I am just first among equals. Coming out of Legeriatric's mouth, ever. But in fairness to LeCap, that old man played one hell of a game, didn't he? I mean, he came out with a purpose, a sense of urgency. He was not about to let them get swept. He's just beat up. He's gassed out. But he brought it. 
He brought it. At least he showed up to play and left everything he had out there. Unlike Anthony every other day, Viss, who put up one of the more invisible, one of the more useless 21 and 14 games I've ever seen. I mean, it just makes no sense that that dude cannot string together a couple of decent games in a row. But it's also no surprise for Anthony every other day, Viss. And the fact of the matter is, even if AD had managed to play two good games in a row, it wouldn't have mattered. L.A. would have still been completely overmatched in this series. And again, I'm going to give them credit. They bounced back. They got off the mat. They made their run. But the fact of the matter is, the Nuggets are just better. The Nuggets are much better. The Nuggets outclassed them in every way. Which is why it really doesn't matter if Anthony every other day this was more consistent. And it's not about the Lakers. It's not about how hard they and others are trying to make it about them. And believe me, everybody's trying to make it about them. I'm looking at all the hot take factories, all the talking heads. It's like LeBron, 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 Lakers, Lakers. Now what? Hey, now what? How about this? How about we give the Nuggets credits for running right through the Lakers? This is why I'm leading the show with the Nuggets. This series was about the Denver freaking Nuggets. Check that. The series was about the best Denver freaking Nuggets team of all time. The best Nuggets team of all time taking a step that the franchise had never taken before. And this series was about the best player in the world making it absolutely clear that he is the best player in the world. And the classiest. So, as Michael Malone would say, Car Flag Nation, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Put that in your pipe, you smoke it. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? We are joined by their manager, Alex Cora. Alex, it's been a minute. It's good to run you down. How are things, Alex? Good to have you back. Uh, thank you, Jim. How, how are you? I'm doing great, Alex. How about you? I'm doing good, doing good. Um, it's been a solid start for the team. Um, there's a lot of young guys here. Some veterans are bouncing back from their injuries. So, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, four games over 500 is – it's not great, but it's okay. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get healthier in the upcoming months and give it a try. And you beat me to it, Alex. I was going to say you're a quarter of the way through the year and you're coming off series wins against the Mariners and the Padres. I was going to say, how do you feel about the group and the way it's playing right now? What are your expectations the rest of the way? Uh, as always, and, and you know, in the city that we live, right? And we're living it right now the last month, you know, it's, you know, try to win as many games as possible and obviously make a run in, in October. But for that to happen, uh, we, we needed to be better in a lot of aspects uh, compared to last year. I think 21 was outstanding, right? We, we, ra- we ride that wave of, of emotion and, and momentum, and we were two, two games away from making it to the World Series. Last year, we were short, and uh, it was a good lesson for the organization uh, basically, we weren't deep enough. You know, we, we pitched with kids last year, 
but that experience made us better now. You know, we got Winkowski, Crawford, Whitlock, Hauk, you know, guys that uh, last year were part of the equation, Bayo, and some of them, they struggle, and they learn, and now they're having great seasons. Uh, from our end, you know, we, we play in the top division in baseball. If you look at the standings, right, and, uh, you know, the Rays are playing out great. Baltimore's for real. New York will always pitch, and, and, and at one point, Toronto is going to hit. So you just got to keep grinding, keep winning series. That's the most important thing. Uh, at one point, you're going to play a lot of games against the division. Hopefully, by that time, you're, you're healthy enough that you can, quote-unquote, survive and win series, something we didn't do last year. But uh, so far, you know, from, from where I'm at, just watching, a lot of young guys contributing, a lot of veterans doing their thing. And uh, like I said, uh, just get healthy. You know, we get Adam Duvall at one point. We're going to get Trevor Story uh, hopefully in the upcoming months. And uh, when that happens, we're going to become more athletic, better defensively. And uh, if we can do that, we, you know, our expectations is to give it a run in October. I like that. I can appreciate that response. Alex Cora joining us. You know, Alex, watching you guys from the outside and looking in, the one thing that really impresses me, of your 21 wins, 14 of them are of the comeback variety. What's that tell you about this group and its mindset this year? Yeah, the offense is a lot better than uh, previous years. Ironic enough, right? We lost all these guys that are great players, and Bogars, Martinez, Vasquez. But it's a group that <clears throat> it gives you a different at-bat. I know you're familiar with JT, uh, Justin Turner, and uh, what he brought in the th- in the third spot is is a quality of bat. You know, like even when he goes over four, uh, he grinds three. It's a seven pitch at bat, setting the tempo, uh, the table for Rafi, <clears throat> Masa, Yoshida. He's real. He's for real. He's a good at bat. He can drive the ball all over the place. He doesn't strike out. And Alex Verdugo has been amazing. So I think offensively, we're not living and dying with the homer. We actually try to, you know, put as many good at-bats as possible in a row and try to set the, t- the table for Rafi Devers. And so far, he's been solid, you know, hitting the ball out of the ballpark, driving in runs. Uh, he hasn't hit for average. You know, that will come. But uh, that's the mindset, you know, just keep grinding at-bats. On the other hand, you know, well, we can see the negative of that. You know, like we haven't pitched well early in the game, especially early in the season. You know, we, we were behind 2 nothing, 3 nothing right away, but uh, – Credit to the offense. They haven't, they haven't stopped believing in that, what they can do. And the pitching staff has been solid uh, lately. You know, we got Paxson back. He has two already of six innings and solid Chris Sale. Uh, it's getting close to be the Chris Sale of old. And uh, Tanner Hawk was amazing yesterday. Brian Bayo, he's pretty solid. So we, we do believe our pitching is a lot better than what they've shown. And uh, if they throw the ball well, there's going to be less comeback wins. You know, it's going to be – you know, he's going to be solid all over, and we can win a bunch of games. Alex Cora joining us. And to be fair, Alex, you have been banged up on the mound, and guys are getting healthy right now. You did mention a couple of guys I wanted to ask you about. I mean, replacing J.D. Martinez, both on the field and in the clubhouse, was never going to be an easy thing to do. But you did mention J.T., Justin Turner. How much has he helped in that regard, and what's it like having him around? Yeah, the impact of uh, J.T., very similar to what Martinez brought in 2018. It was needed, right? Uh, it was kind of like we turned the page on, on that group, a group that, you know, like you said earlier in the show, uh, you know, we won 119 games that year, you know, when, when we went through the playoffs, you know, the we, the Yankees, the Astros, and then the Dodgers. And uh, it just, you know, he, he, he set the culture offensively. But, you know, this year we, we move on from those guys and we added some veteran guys, starting with JT. And, uh, 
in a in a different way, he's impacting the team the same way J.D. Martinez did in 18. Just like uh, the the conversations with the players, the approach. You know, he he'll talk about yeah, this is what we we're gonna try to do today. And when he goes out there, he executes. You know, he's a guy that will give up and a bat for the team. You know, and uh, that that means a lot, especially when you're surrounded with a lot of young guys, kind of like to show them the winning ways. What what they've done here out west, you know, the Dodgers have been amazing, right, the last nine, ten years, and he was a, a big part of it. And uh, I'm glad that we made a commitment with him, and he's been amazing not only for the team but also for me as a manager because there's certain things that you really don't have to worry now with JT in the clubhouse. And he's been solid. You know, Alex, it's really high praise coming from you. But the thing is, even if you're a great player, even if you have great productivity, it doesn't mean that you're going to thrive in that town. Like L.A., L.A. is different <laughs> yeah. than Boston. You know this. Like, maybe you didn't have a concern about whether or not JT would fit in. But I've seen really good players really struggle in that town. When somebody like that comes in, do you sit him down and have that conversation? Or do you assume that's a pro's pro and a vet and he'll be just fine? Yeah, we, we had a conversation early December, right after the winter meetings, I gave him a call. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we had to talk, right? Uh, you know, you know what happened in 17? I was part of Houston. We made a huge mistake. He was with the Dodgers. So you clear there, right? You got to be honest with him because, uh, you know, if this happens, he's going to be with you over 162 days, right? So uh, we talk about that. And then I, I talked to him about Boston, the expectations and how fun it is, you know, and, uh, Jim, one of the things I tell the players in in our city, and, and we've been living it for a month now with the hockey and now the NBA, the noise can get loud. You know, it gets really loud if you let the noise do that. You know, if you're smart enough, you use that to your advantage, right? Like it's something that pushes you to be great on a daily basis when you're having those days that you don't feel great physically or there's something going on at home. You get to Fenway and – Boom, right there. You know, these people want me to be great. Let's be great, right? And uh, the first thing he did, he went to a hockey game. Uh, he stayed away from the Celtics because he's a huge Laker fan and he didn't want to cross that line, you know. But uh, uh, he's enjoying the, the, the venue. He's enjoying Fenway. He's enjoying the whole thing. Uh, it's a play that him and Corny, his wife, has, has, you know, taken. You know, like when you go there, you have to, to embrace it. And so far, he's been amazing. We know there's going to be up and downs and there's going to be tough weeks ahead of us. But I do believe, you know, this guy, he played in New York too. He played for the Mets, which is not easy to do. And um, he's been so, so grateful for what we, we, we've, you know, we've done with him and he's enjoyed the whole city. Yeah, Alex, I think, again, another great response. I think it's so interesting what you just said, Alex Corn, my guest, for a few more moments. When you talk about the noise, and there's so much noise, and especially right now in that town because of the way things have gone in the postseason with the Bruins and the Celtics, you know, it always seems natural. Well, what do you do with noise? You block out the noise. Alex, is there an argument that, yeah, you can block it out, and that can be effective, or is there a way to turn the noise on its head and somehow use the noise? Yeah, I mean – I try sometimes to use it to our advantage, uh, especially in situations like 21, like this year. Like, nobody is counting on us, right? Like, this is kind of like a year that uh, in our division we should be, quote-unquote, the last team. You know, we should finish fifth just like last year. So you, you kind of like twist it around and use it to your advantage. Uh, the players, it, it's, it's very important to, to make sure – 
like if you if if you want to hear if you hear when they perfect example I, I go back to the, our winter winter fest this year and uh, we have to be on stage and there's five thousand people in the amphitheater and Haim is there Sam Kennedy's there Mr Henry's there and myself and everybody's upset about what happened in the, in the off season you know Xander is in San Diego JD is in L A and and Jim it felt like we were in a WE event you know like they were booing us and screaming at us and all that and after we were done i felt okay because if we enjoyed fan fest in 2019 after we won the world series and we wanted to be on that stage you got to be accountable too and when you're coming from a bad season you have to be on that stage and you know confront the fans you know because at the end they paid their the tickets you know they show up at fanway every single day They want us to be great, and, uh, you know, that's part of the equation, right? When things are going high, you enjoy it. When things are going bad, you learn from it. And, uh, you know, one thing about the players, and I like following our teams, you know, the Patriots and the Bruins and the Revolution and the Celtics, and I, I, I kind of like read to see the, the temperature of the room, how it's working, you know, how, how the uh, players react to it so I can use it to my advantage and help our, our players to be good in this market. What a great conversation. He is the manager of the Boston Red Sox, Alex Cora. Alex, it is so good to get caught up. Like I said, it's been a moment or two. Missed having you on. Great to have you back, Alex. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Thank you, brother. Be well. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. Got to give Legeriatric James credit. Got to give him run. I didn't think that he had enough gas left in the tank to pull off a performance like he had last night which was, without question, one of the all-time old man performances in the history of the association in the postseason. Yes, ultimately he gassed out. But man, he left it all out there. And he came out with a vengeance. 40 points, 10 boards, 9 dimes, only one turnover in an elimination game at age 38. I mean, that's no joke. Even if you went off the side of the backboard late, that's no joke. It actually, not only is it no joke, it's pretty spectacular. And he played nearly every single second of that game, which is also pretty amazing. Like, LeCap left everything he had on the floor. Can't take that from him. In other words, I won't try to do to La Drama King what La Drama King just tried to do to the Nuggets. Because that's all this alleged supposed retirement nonsense is. It's a distraction, a misdirection, an attempt to get you to look away from the fiery crash landing that just ended a truly strange year in Lakerland. And of course it's working. Everybody took the bait. Everybody took the cheese, I think, except me. Of course, even though Denver looks incredible, even though they went right through the Lakers... They swept the Lakers. Let's not forget oh about that. Oh, my God. They swept the Lakers. Oh, my God. They wow. did. And even though it's their first trip, 
to an NBA Finals, even though they look like they are poised to lift the Larry O, despite all that, the headlines are still being dominated by LeBron and the Lakers. And not because of anything they did on the floor last night or in the series either, obviously. They got swept. Why would they be dominating the headlines when they got swept? And not swept in a way like Boston might get swept, where Boston's just pathetic. Boston's just embarrassing. Boston's all out of sorts. The Lakers did compete. But that's not why they're getting all that run. That's not why all the bags and hot takers and Mount Rushmore climbers are all about it. It's because of that so-called cryptic, attention-grabbing, look-at-me answer that Legeriatric gave after the game. He was asked to evaluate the season, and he wound up kind of, sort of, acting like he's thinking about retirement, maybe an option. I like to say it's a successful year because I don't play for anything besides winning championships at this point in my career. And, um, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't get a kick out of making a conference appearance. I've done it a lot. And, <laughs> and it's not fun to me to not be able to be able to be a part of, uh, you know, getting to the finals. But, um, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And, um, just for me personally, going going forward with the game of basketball, got a lot to think about. Every time he chases something with, to be honest, to be honest, to be honest, I know he's capping. Or he wouldn't be trying so hard to convince us that he's being honest. No disrespect. Somebody's going to get disrespected. To be honest, to be honest, somebody's going to get lied to. Hey, dude, take all the time you want. Just don't drag us along with it. Let us know what you decide. And by the way, I'm not buying that for a second. I'm not saying that the response didn't work exactly as intended because it did. Because everybody is talking about LeBron right now instead of the Nuggets. Everybody's talking about LeBron right now instead of the fact that the Lakers got swept by the Nuggets. So I understand why he did it. I'm not saying he's always honest. He's not. But he's not dumb. It worked. I'm just saying, miss me with this. Pedal that crap someplace else. You can't tell me that's the last time we're going to see that guy play an NBA game. Come on. He's been so clear that he wants to play in the association with his kid. This has been his plan for years. And he's been saying it all along, and he said it as recently as earlier this year. There's no way LaFib is walking off on Le Sweep. No chance. But of course, people are falling all over themselves and falling for this crap. And the theories are already running wild on social. The most popular being that, hey, you know what? He'll actually take a year off. Recharge his battery, get his body right. Spend some time with Bronny, watch him ball out at USC, and then ultimately join whatever team drafts Bronny after that. Which almost sort of kind of makes sense, sort of, kind of. 
And say so you think about it, and then it doesn't really kind of sort of make sense at all. If the guy really is about the ring, why waste a year? You know, you're you're not going to get better at that age. You're just going to get older. So I normally I would say rest, recover, that's good, unless you're 38. Why not try and make, I mean, as close as they made it this year, and they were so close, why not run it back? Why not try to make another run with AD in this Laker team when you came that close, when you're playing at that high level? What does make sense to me is LaFib is going with some of this nonsense and it's a way to deflect attention from them getting their asses swept right out of the Western Conference Final. I don't buy it. I do not buy that he's thinking about retirement. I do not buy that he's played his last game. That was never the plan. He hasn't been talking about that. He and his team have not been talking about that. All he ever talks about is playing with his son and playing a couple of more years. So, no, I don't believe this dude. I don't believe that he's about to walk away for good. Yes, he's old. I'll acknowledge that. The geriatric is old. Yes, he's got miles. Yes, he's banged up. Yes, he may need surgery on his foot. And maybe he really thinks, maybe he really thinks that he played his last game. Sure, he doesn't. Earlier this year, he made it very clear on the record he wanted to play multiple more years. And he wanted to play with his kid. So exactly what changed? What changed from earlier this year to last night? He just got his ass kicked in the finals and was leaving it all out there after a long, insane, trying season. Nothing. What I'm saying is this. He may have even believed it in the moment. Maybe. Although I still think it was more tactical and strategic than heartfelt. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe. Maybe he was hurting. Maybe he felt it. But nothing any superstar says in the moments after something like that ever matters to me. If you think I'm going to be waiting breathlessly for any kind of update from this dude with bated breath about what he's going to do or not do and get into it every single day on this show, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong show. Go punch the clock on the assembly line of the hot take factory if you want. Go scale the Mount Rushmore of if that's what you want. Honestly, I don't care. I don't give a damn what this guy does. Play more, great. Retire, great. Leverage the Lakers to get Kyrie, great. String the Lakers all along, great. String them along all you want, but I'm not falling for it. I'm not here for that. Do whatever the hell you want, my man. You've earned it. I will give you my take once you do decide, but I'm not taking the cheese. I'm not taking the bait. And no, I don't think this dude's done. Sadly, probably not done beating the dead horse that is Space Jam into the ground. But I think he's not done playing ball. And I know he's not done getting people to talk about him and look at him. Which to me is kind of amazing in and of itself, right? He's been at the center of attention since he was 16 years old. And yet there he was in his postgame presser last night, desperately looking for more attention. A lot. And I'm going to say it one more time. I do not see this dude walking off after getting swept in humiliating fashion by the new best player in the world. That's not how this dude's going out. 
not that you always get to go out the way you want to go out or not that you always get to go out on your own terms, but no one's pushing this guy out. No way that dude, the alleged, is going out like that. I mean, AD, maybe. But not Legoat. Not while he's still pretty damn good. Not while he still has it in him to go 40, 10, and 9 while banged up and gassed out in an elimination game in the conference finals. I don't see it. We may be near the end, but we're not at the end. Not of Legeriatrix playing days, nor at the end of his insatiable thirst for attention. Father Time is finally giving him the hands. He's been very good about slipping punches. Father Time is finally landing. Because Father Time always wins. But we're not there yet. The hot takers might be taking the cheese, but not me. I'm focused on who is still in the tourney and not who just got swept out of it. However, that said, Father Time did get one. Father Time did claim one NBA great, Carmelo. The writing was on the wall for Melo for a long time, and we all saw this coming from a mile away. Everybody except for LeBron, who apparently saw it from 100 miles away, or at least a week away, a week before the rest of us saw it, you were, are very close with in, in your contemporary announcing his retirement and then you getting ready to play in a Western Conference Finals game as sort of the, the last man standing, if you will, from that class. What was that like for you? Um, well, I, I kind of knew the, the announcement was going to happen because um, I shot the video a week ago <laughs> that you guys seen today. So... Um, People will probably think I'm lying about that too, huh? Um, I shot that video like a week ago, so I already knew the announcement was coming. Just didn't know which day, but it happened today. It's like he walked right into it. Like he, he made the perfect statement. Y'all probably thought I was lying about that too. People will probably think I'm lying about that too, huh? Well, now that you bring it up, I don't not think you're lying. The only thing liars do better than lying is make sure to emphasize when they are telling the truth. Good on you, LeBron. From here on out, after every single statement, you should say, I'm not lying. Or, you probably think I'm lying about that, too. People probably think I'm lying about that, too, huh? I'd say you try to throw him off the scent. To be honest. And throw in a few, to be honest. To be honest. A lot. As for Melo, incredible scorer. One of the all-time great scorers. A walking bucket. The epitome of a walking bucket. And when you think about his legacy, you can't help but think about what he did as a freshman at Syracuse. But in the NBA, could just never get over the hump. A walking bucket, an incredible scorer. I, I like the way Melo, I didn't, I didn't always like Melo as a team guy, but I like the way he handled himself at the end of his career. I did. Definitely a team guy at the end of his career. Accepted a role where other great players were unable to do so. No names mentioned. AI. He just could not get over the hump. But a walking bucket. Yeah, I knew. I knew because I shot the video a week ago. But you probably think I'm lying about that too. See, Bron, the thing about liars, if you ever get caught in a lie, 
everybody assumes that they can't trust anything out of your mouth after that. That's why liars are not credible. So yeah, you get ready to qualify that all along going forward. You probably believe I'm lying about that too. Well, yes. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. It is a big week in the jungle. It's a big week in Smackoff season because this week is the start of the Smackoff player profiles, which really is my reintroduction of the players in the event, at least the ones who have history in the event. And we will focus on a specific caller almost every single day between now and the event itself, which is June 30th. Up until the big day. Now, if you've not marked it down yet, Make sure you do because you want to set aside time. You want to watch it or you want to listen to it. You want to have a smack off party. There's a right way to do this. Get that day off. Smack off 29 is June 30th. So make your plans right now. We're about five weeks out. You've got plenty of time to put in to get that day off. The five weeks are going to absolutely fly by. I know. I've been here. I've done this. I also recognize that even though I put on 28 of these events, It doesn't mean there aren't people listening right now who still have essentially no idea what I'm talking about. Just because the Smack Off is a legacy event with nearly three decades of uninterrupted history does not mean that there aren't new Jungle listeners who have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's good. That's always a good thing. It's a great thing, actually. New listeners are always welcome, and believe me, I understand how much the jungle is to take in when you first start listening. It's hard to follow. That's always been the rap. It's too inside. It's too inside. No, it's not. You just got to give it. It's like any show. Until you watch a show, you don't know what that show's about. Until you listen to or watch this show, you won't know what's going on. It's not hard to figure out. If you were to drop it and say, right in the middle of succession, you'd have no idea what the hell is going on. I get that. I understand that. So just stay with it. So before we start getting hot and heavy with all the profiles, this segment is for the people who have not been listening to every minute of every hour of this show for like the last two decades. Although I do appreciate all of you that have been listening to every minute of every show for the last two decades. Let me back up for you. The event. The Smack Off debuted back in 1995. 1995. That's how long I've done this. The simple idea being get the very best callers on the program on the same day. Because my thought always was, man, the show is so good. The show is so good, except for the callers. If I could just pick who I wanted to call the show, it would be the greatest radio show ever. Because there are good callers, just not that many of them. I realized I couldn't do that. I couldn't pick who I wanted to call, but I could one day out of the year. So that's what we did. We came up with the one day. The other 300-plus shows out of the year, I've got to carry the torch. I have to do all the heavy lifting. And that's fine. That's what I signed up for. It's fun. It's great. 
more of me and less of you is a winning philosophy 99.9% of the time around here. However, that 1% or half a percent or less than half a percent that it works, the callers get to run the show. They get to call the shots. They get to steer the show. And I just lay back. I lay out. I let you do your thing. That's the day where more of you and less of me is good for the program. One day out of the year, 29 times in the history of the show, the day that I turned the program over to the top 1% of the callers. And then at the end of the smack off, we name a winner. For the inaugural event, naming the winner changed that winner's life. That's not even my take. That is the take of the winner himself. You know JT the Brick. JT the Brick has had a fabulous radio career as a talk show host. He was the fr- he used to be a caller to this show. He was the first ever winner of the Smack Off, and he parlayed that into an exceptional radio career. He knows that. He says so. Vance Smack, what an honor to be a part of the first annual Great American Smack Off. The greatest city, the deepest tradition, and the best smack comes from New York and the bricks. When the earthquake hit, I didn't pick up the fish wrap to read about the damage. I looked to the box scores to see if the Knicks pulled out another gutty win. I have a passion to see Cal Ripken rupture a kidney this season than to see him break my beloved Lou Gehrig's record. Today is a celebration of smack. I compare my experience to when I pledged my fraternity back in college. For the first few months, I was a punk who had to wait on hold and pick and choose my spots to smack. Now I feel like the pledge master who gets the spank the new plebs on the butt while they say thank you jt the brick can i please have another this is why i call myself the idol maker one call to the program could change everything for you again there's not just five grand in winning the smack off there may be a career a multi-decade career in it for you as well ask jt he's not the only champ who pulled off a transition from caller to host, to really good host, successful host. Those of you familiar with the program, of course, know that I'm talking about Shawnee, the Cowboy Asian, the legend who put together the first ever smack-off dynasty in the mid-2000s. He ripped four straps in five years. He has five total. Sean also wound up turning his smack-off success into a very successful media career. In this topsy-turvy world where the president can treat an intern like a blow-up doll while he's got Boris Yeltsin on speakerphone and still keep his job, where a team will guarantee Tony Martin a six-figure salary even if he goes to prison, there are two constants that I know, Jim. One, the only way that Shaq gets his name on both sides of the forum is with a can of spray paint and a ladder. And two, I know that from 11 to 3 Central Time every day, I'm going to be entertained. The influence of your show, frankly, Jim, has felt not only in your time slot, quite honestly, it's spilled over into the others. I mean, before your show came on down here, Jim, the typical call to the local afternoon show went something like, uh, yeah, Kenny, first-time caller. I was wondering if Mike Hampton is a lefty or a righty, and I'll hang up and listen. Now, Jim, thanks to the jungle, the typical call to the local afternoon show goes something like, uh, yeah, Kenny, first-time caller. I was wondering if Mike Hampton is a lefty or righty, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm out. Yeah, major improvement, Jim. The next really get it down here. The Cowboy Asian, so good. That's one of the all-time goats right there. Such a goat that even 
Texans GM Nick Casario was starstruck when he found out that the dude asking him questions in the media gaggle one day was actually the freaking Kablin Asian himself. True story. Jim, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Forgot to mention fellow clone on that introduction, so I'm definitely a clone. So I appreciate having me back and really excited. Without me having to go there, I do appreciate you acknowledging your jungle roots, Nick. Can't forget him, Jim. Uh, we, I go way back with the jungle. Uh, actually, I have a jungle-related story and a smack-off-related story in the same vein. So, you know, I was a big smack-off listener. Haven't listened to smack-off here in a little bit. But um, last week when we had Lovey's introductory press conference, uh, we had an opportunity with our local media. Unbeknownst to me, and I had plenty of interactions with Sean Pendergast, but I didn't realize he was the Cablin Asian until he mentioned that he was the Cablin Asian. So, we had a big chuckle over that when he mentioned to me that, that he's Sean the Kaplan Asian. I said, man, you were a pretty good call at the Rome show. And then we proceeded to talk about Jeff and Richmond, his 18 to three-quarter inch pipes and his luxury sled. So we, we go way back, Jim. There's no question. Freaking Nick Casario with the Jungle Roots. Incredible. Shawnee had the first dynasty. The latest dynasty belongs to the BIC. Brad in Corona, a.k.a. the Bat. The man was six straps, more than any other caller. He's won three of the last five. He is flat out the single most dangerous man who has ever picked up a phone and dialed into this program. Final side note, Rome, and this is true. Les was never in that helicopter in 2015, Jim. He took a picture in it, stepped out of it like a coward, and delivered that crappy fourth-place phone call from the runway while he sent Randall and the OC up in the chopper like a smack-off stunt penis buzzing your studio. God rest Randall's soul, by the way. Anyway, we knew Lef was a gimmicky little bitch, but now we know he's also a lying gimmicky little bitch, and that's the worst kind of bitch, really. Also, kind of convenient that Les, Randall, and Rich Flores were the only people who knew about this. And Randall, well, Jim, let's just say Randall's watching the smack off today with Trapper and Rick's dad. And, Jim, two out of the three of those dudes were likely killed by Les and Laguna and Rich Flores. You can hear all about it on my new podcast, Clone Killers. My quest to prove Rich Flores and Les and Laguna killed Randall and the OC and Trapper and Dana Point. Allegedly. Out. Holy crap, Brad. That's not him punching down either. That's him punching at a multiple winner and his biggest rival. That's the standard. If you want to compete on the big day, this is who you have to compete with. Basically, what I'm saying is this. If you want to strap, you're going to have to come in here and rip it out of Brad's cold, dead hands. But... It's possible. Caleb in Green Bay proved that last year when he became a first-time king of smack on the strength of this call. Uh, Jim, it was funny. On Tuesday, you tweeted about the smack-off asking for predictions, and old Shawnee Pendergast responded with a single word, pain, which is impressive to me that three days out, he can pinpoint the exact second that his sciatica is going to flare up. Romy, I'm probably going to be the only caller today who actually defends Deshaun Watson, but just hear me out, okay? Who among us doesn't love a day at the spa? You know, you get some bath jellies, some scented candles, essential oils, maybe throw on some Enya. That stuff isn't just for chicks and DeMarc in Hollywood anymore, dude. Who doesn't love a Swedish massage? Although Deshaun apparently prefers the Finnish massage, you know, like from the country, Finland. Did everybody get it who's going to get it? Okay, let's move on. That's your defending champ. That's your brief walk down smack off memory lane. From here on in, we will mostly zero in on individual callers. 
Then you can decide whose year you think it is. If you want your prediction aired on CBS Sports Network, just film it. Make it around 20 seconds. Keep it clean. No sex, no booze, no porn, no drug, no violence. None of that. Film it horizontally. Send it to smackoffpicks at gmail.com. That's smackoffpicks at gmail.com, and we will get it aired on TV. That's the easiest way for you to participate. We're in it. We're in it. It feels awesome. Get up in here. John in New York. What's going on, brother? Jim, what's going on? How's everything, man? Good, dude. How about you? Everything's fine. Uh, Denver, Miami, I'll take that, Jim. You know, Denver, old school, coming from the ABA. I mean, all these knuckleheads calling in saying they're not going to watch the game or whatever. Me and you, we come from the old school where we used to watch Kevin Lockery at Denver Nuggets and the Kentucky Colonels and things like that coming over from the ABA. ABA, and now all of a sudden Denver's up there for a championship. I'll watch Joker. I'll watch Gabe Vincent. These are guys that were out on the court busting their asses trying to get to where they are today. And, and I'm sick and tired of the commercial mainstream LeBron, Davis. I'm, I'm sick of the mainstream. It, it reminds me of, like, Brad and Left. And I'm sick of all of these front-running morons and the people that are always, like, at their feet. And everything they do is so great and everything like that. That's nonsense. I wish they would just all go away, Jim. And LeBron, I'm not going to get on him or anything like that, but it seemed like he was building his retirement home as it was, as many bricks as he was putting up. And Joel Embiid, another guy, 15 points in a game seven, Jim. Oh, I am, I am so sorry. I can't do it alone. You didn't do it at all. You didn't get the job done, Joel. Jim, thanks for your time, and I'll talk to you again soon. You know why you will, brother? Because you just got your golden ticket back. I ripped it from him, and I gave it back to him. And believe me, there's a lot of time for him to lose it again. John, you're back in. Bradley Chubb. Bradley, it's good to have you on. How are you? What's going on? It's good to be on the show. It's good to have you on the show. So talk to me for a minute about your offseason. How did it treat you? For instance, other than like general maintenance and training, did you do anything interesting or different to reset yourself for the coming season? Oh, nothing typically like too out of the ordinary, man. I took a couple of vacations with the family. Um, got to it, of course, on the, on the training aspect of it. But I feel like the vacations and just being able to take some downtime to take a step back and breathe and reflect on season and look forward to the new season was uh, much needed, though, for sure. Hey, Bradley, can you, like, when you go with the family and you kind of step out, can you really just shut it down mentally, check out, and not think football, or is it always in the back of your mind? Honestly, I could, I could shut down and, and check out. Like, it's like to probably February and March. Well, in the February, beginning of March, you, I, I kind of completely shut down. Don't think about it. Don't even think about a play call or – anything that happened during the season. And then as soon as I, like, kind of get back into really ramping it up, then I, I start being more football-specific on, on on how I'm working out and what I'm working on. And so then it starts to come creep back into your mind at that point. But for a good month, though, I'm, I'm locked in with just the family, just everything else going on in life. Makes sense to me, right? Like, you want your body to recover, but you want your mind to recover, too. Bradley Chubb exactly. joining us. So Denver traded you to Miami on November 1st. I'm curious, what was your initial reaction to that trade? And then what was it like to learn a new defense and build new relationships in the middle of a season? Uh, to My reaction to the trade at first was, you know, a little sad, you know, because you want to you wanna be with the team that drafted you. Um, for as long as you play, you want to do things there. You want to win Super Bowls there. You want to do all that stuff there. So 
when I felt when I realized my time there was cut short of, of all that, it kind of it kind of hit me like, man, this it, it doesn't last forever. You know what I mean? You gotta take advantage of every opportunity you get, and, and that was one that kind of I feel like I still had some left in the tank, but it's all good because I ended up getting like you said traded to Miami and. Um, just the players off rip, man, were just uh, very welcoming, very um, loving, caring, um, everything you need from, from your teammates. And learning the defense was kind of kind of hard at first, you know, because you used to playing the defense for three, four years at, at a time, and you kind of know the ins and outs of that defense and then having to pick up and learn a whole, whole new vocabulary, whole new terminology, whole new uh, scheme and everything. Um, it was a little hard, but – like I said, with the, with the help of my teammates, man, it was, it was easier to pick up. You know, it's a really honest response. I would imagine also it does help, and it makes it a little bit easier when you find an organization that wants you so badly, right? I mean, you're not there very long right. before you realize, hey, now, they not only want me, they want to build around me, and they're going to offer me a big, fat contract, $110 million. You know, when you find out that that's how much they want you, all of a sudden, does that feel like, you know what, it's going to be fine. This is where I do want to be. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, because... It's like okay, they they obviously want me here. They obviously want, like you said, want to build around me here. So, I like I said, you don't get you don't get every opportunity for for your whole life. You know what I mean? So you just gotta make sure you make the most out of each opportunity. And this was an opportunity that presented itself tenfold. And I'm uh, just excited to be here now. Yeah, business is funny, right? Because things start to come around. Like being in Miami means you're also reunited with a guy who I think is an incredible defensive coach in former Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. What was it like to play for him initially? And from you know a football standpoint, a player standpoint, what makes this guy so special, so different? Yeah, I mean, I'll say initially, man, it was it was uh, it was just different, man, because he was a head coach. He was had to control the whole team. Yeah, we still had the defensive scheme. Yeah, we still had um, defensive meetings with him, but he was in charge of the whole team. So like that player coach relationship was probably a little different, or you know what I mean? It just wasn't it wasn't how it is now. And now he's a DC. It's kind of like a a refreshing start for for him and me. Uh, and Man, we get to to just like you said, see how great he is as a coordinator when he's simply just focusing on, on straight defense and and all the playmakers and guys we had in our, in our defensive room. Um, it's just gonna be special, man. I'm excited to to get back with him, man. And and like you said, he's one of the best football minds out here. So just being able to pick his brain and see where he's at, see where you're at, um, it, it goes a long way. Hey, Bradley, how much of his greatness is about scheme and his football mind, and then how much of it is just personally? Like, like that guy will get into you now, and but, yeah. but in, a, in a fair way, right, just to hold, hold you accountable. So how much of it is about scheme, and how much of it is about his personality? I'd say about uh, 50-50, you know, because the scheme, you, you put us in the right position to make the plays. And like you said, he, he doesn't even yell at you. He doesn't even get into you like, like nothing crazy, but it's, it's just that. That that tone he has, and he you know what he expects. So when he tells you something, you you listen. Everybody listens, and he t- he'll call you out in front of the whole defense, just so everybody on, is on the same page on what you got to be doing. So like that part right there pushes you, it holds you accountable with your teammates, with him, and with yourself. So it just allows, like I said, everybody to be on that same page, everybody to play fast, and and understand that uh, this is we need all eleven on that field. It's not just a one man show. All eleven is gonna make the make the thing go. Bradley Chubb is joining us. All right, so you mentioned that he was head coach. He's now at D.C. As long as we're talking about head coaches, I think Mike McDaniel, to me, is like one of the most fascinating dudes in the league. And I say that, Bradley, as somebody who's never even spoken to this dude, and I'm completely fascinated by the guy. What's he like to play for? And then generally, what's he like as a dude? He's dope to play for, man. It's, it's just funny because all the things you see on social media and stuff like that is – it's just that's just him, you know what I mean? He's just uh, a dude. Like we joke and say, his team meetings are just an hour long of him speaking what's on his mind, 
it might not make the most sense, but you you know what I'm saying, you're gonna get everything that's that's on his mind at that, that day, that time. So, uh and then I mean he's he's one of the like I said, the best dudes out there, man. He cares for the players, man. He wants to make sure that um each opportunity you're on the field, you're getting the most out of it. He doesn't like wasted reps, he doesn't like wasted days and um like that just that culture and that, that mindset goes it trickles down from the top guy to the last guy and everybody's on that same page and um you you love to play for dudes like that who just keep it real with you, who um don't sugarcoat anything and, and, and leave everything out there to to how it is and not to be guessing or uh, how does this guy feel about me or how is this you know you expected the greatness every day and um that's what you expect. So it's dope. Bradley, I've never met a guy, I've never met an athlete, I've done this a long, long time, I've never met an athlete who didn't just say, hey man, no matter what, I can take bad news, I don't want bad news, man, but just be real, just be straight, just shoot right. me straight, just be real, and I can handle that, but when you have a young guy like that, how much better is it that he's not that old school guy that's just beating dudes into the ground, does it help keep things fresh and upbeat and fast, and does that help? Yeah, 100%, man. Like I said, like you just never know what to expect from him. You know, so you never know if he's feeling good that day. He might throw you a bone as a team, or you might go out there and, and, and work the, probably the hardest you ever worked in the seat, in the heat, in the sun, and all that. So it, he keeps it fresh, keeps it keeps it uh, lively around. Um, got different sayings and stuff each and every week. It, it's, it's dope just to see how he commands a room and how he uh, everybody goes out there and just plays for him. Talking to Bradley Chubb for a few more moments. Bradley, what about Tua? He's coming off a really challenging season due to his concussion issues. He's been back on the field in OTAs. How does he look to you right now? How does he seem? He looks great to me right now, man. Not going to lie to you. He seems high-spirited like he always is when I first got here. Um, like uh, like I said, he's one of those people that um, is a great guy to be around. So um, you, you hope the best for him in everything he does and, and stuff like that. So, I feel like he's he's looking good, feeling good. So I'm I'm expecting him to have a big year this year. I'm excited for him. Hey, let me ask you this: like you're taught from a very early age, availability is your best ability. But mm-hmm. you know, like grind it out, grind it out, grind it out. Concussions are different, man. That's not what that is. That's why there's a protocol in place. Every player is going to have to ultimately weigh the risks and the rewards of playing such a violent sport, right? Everybody's going to make their mm-hmm. own decision. I know it's for everybody. If it were you and you were dealing with something like that, how would you process it? How would you go about making that decision of whether or not to play? Uh, I'll process it by just getting around my family, man, praying about it, trusting the, the doctors who do this for, for a living, and um, just making sure I get four or five, six opinions on it. You know what I'm saying? Just making sure that I'm going to be good no matter, um, no matter what happens. And, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you might, one doctor might say one thing, one might say another thing. It's probably just getting the best getting the best overall um, synopsis from everybody. And like I said, praying on it, keeping the the people you have close to you, respecting their opinions about it. And, and at the end of the day, knowing how you feel yourself, like being confident with it, with everything that you got going on and understanding how serious it is. And so, you uh, like I said, you got to make that decision through, through a lot of things, man. So uh, I feel like he made that decision. He's, he's pushing – whatever he needs to do and, and focusing all his energy on being a, the best quarterback for us. So uh, I'm right there behind him 100%. I get that. Bradley Chubb joining us. So before you go, the AFC East, that's a different deal now, right? You've got the Bills, who you played in the postseason last year. The Jets had Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. you got plenty trying to throw dirt on Bill Belichick in the Pats, but the guy does have six rings. How would right. you compare life in the AFC East to the way it was when you were in the AFC West? Uh... To be honest, man, like kind of preseason expectations from this year and last year, it's honestly the same, man. We we got Russell Wilson and, and then the Raiders got um, 
Devontae Adams, and like a lot of playmakers were coming into the division. So like that that preseason hype, all that, it kind of feels the same. Man. Everybody's excited, everybody's running around, but um, we, we want to make sure that we're the last team playing um, at the end of the season and, and holding up that trophy. So all the stuff, preseason stuff doesn't matter right now, man, with the, with the names and stuff, but it's cool just to have that competition and understanding that if we want to uh, do, like, like you said, hold the trophy up at the end of the year, then we got to take care of business in the East first. Hey, Bradley, one last topic. You're part of the sports scene in South Florida now. How hyped are you on the Miami Heat, and do you think they're going to finish the Celtics tonight? Man, not even just the Heat. The Panthers, too, man. They both yeah, too. playing You're out right, of their minds right now. You so. are right, dude. Yeah, it's dope down here in South Florida when it comes to sports. But, yeah, I think the Heat, I think the heat closed out tonight, man. I, I, used to, I, I wouldn't say used. I, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I like the way they play the game. But the way the Heat play, man, they play an inspired basketball, man. So I'm excited to see. Um, them battled out for game four tonight. Hey, really quickly, as a high-level athlete, you're right. You mentioned uh, Brown and Tatum. Look, these guys, I'm going to argue, the Celtics are more talented. They just are. On paper, they're more talented. But, man, the culture and the toughness of the Heat. Have you ever seen a team in any sport that had better culture than the Miami Heat have? Nah, I haven't, man. The way he, the way Jimmy Butler's out there playing, the way he's got those guys around him inspired, the way Coach Spolster's coaches, you know what I mean? It just, it's dope to see all that come together and – they counted them out. You know what I'm saying? They were in the play-in tournament. They were AC, but they still fighting on it and all that. So I'm um, wishing them the best, man. I'm excited for it. And a win away. The Dolphins open up the year against the Chargers on September 10th. Bradley Chubb coming off a big year. He had eight sacks last year, but that was last year. This year's coming up now. Bradley, great to have you back on the show. It's been a minute. Good to have you back. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have appreciate a good one. you. You too. Have a great one. Good night now.